live from Tatooine. It's the Disney Plus Weekly Review brought to you by the Movie Change Up Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Fricky, uh, or for this episode, known as the Book of Joba Fett. And someone who I feel may have some hot takes about one of the episodes I'll be talking about today is Team Walter, a.k.a. Tristan, who's always my co-host on this show. Uh, Tristan, we had a pretty, you know, normally we do these, uh, record these on Friday nights, uh, but because of some miscommunication, some scheduling issues, we weren't able to record this until, uh, Monday night, um, and I'm glad we did, because, uh, some big stuff dropped today, we got the Book of Boba Fett trailer, and we also have some news regarding, uh, my favorite Star Wars character, Darth Maul, so, uh, Tristan, uh, up until... Today, it's been a pretty uneventful week for Disney+, Plus. but what did you think so far? Yeah, we were talking last week, like, hey, it's going to be a light week. You might not really have much to talk about. We were thinking of some kind of, like, filler topics to put in there, and, yeah, we had that problem where we had to put you back a couple of days, and lo and behold, it was a, a blessing in disguise, I think, because we have a lot more to talk about, and we still have some good core stuff to talk about. Dookie, aloha, you said my name is Team Walter, so that'll be a fun discussion, and I'm looking forward to that, and... We also got another uh, Marvel Assembled, the behind-the-scenes series they've been doing, and those have always been interesting, too, so we have a lot to talk about, more than I ever thought we would, so <laughs> it'll be a fun one. Uh, yeah, Doogie was a pretty solid episode. Uh, let's kick off with that. So this episode, I believe, was episode eight. We have two more episodes left in the season, and uh, the episode was titled Talk Story, and kind of there was, I think, three plots, actually, this episode. You had the main plot with... Uh, with uh, Lahela, who her main thing was her boyfriend that she Walter that she's been hanging out with. His uh, like they don't really have a lot in common. Like they care about each other, they like each other, they like spending time together. But she's obviously this very accomplished sixteen-year-old doctor, and her boyfriend, who is a typical sixteen-year-old kid who likes to skateboard and hang out with his friends, and he really hasn't thought about his future. And then you have kind of the parent plot. Uh, and then the kind of the plot with the two brothers of one of them, the older brother just kind of likes making these brownie cakes. And then the younger brother has like these, uh, business aspirations and he kind of takes over and there causes a rift between them. But, uh, what were your thoughts on this episode? A unique one, Joe, cause we've been praising this show for so long about how well it kind of blends the tones together and is able to appeal not just to kids, but also to the adults. And this one was not so much doing that for me. This one was very much on like the cheesy Disney Channel original movie kind of side of things in a way that I had a really fun time with. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it was definitely not among the serious episodes, among the ones that would have really impressed us. But I had a surprisingly fun time with it. There's a lot of cheesy moments that I'm going to go through when we get to it. But yeah, uh, a whole collage of cheesiness in this episode here that, that I had a good time with. But I, I'm not sure what your thoughts are going to be, Joe. I know you're a big Walter fan. And Walter had a very... A very Walter, we had a Walter-focused episode this week, so what were your thoughts on it? Lahela sucks. This episode sucks. Uh, are we just going to ignore the fact that Lahela has a boyfriend and legit just went on a date with another guy that, uh, you know, fans of other Disney properties and other maybe universally, universal properties might recognize as uh, Ty Simpkins, who was uh, Riley Keener in Iron Man 3, the little kid that... Uh, Tony Stark oh, wow. out with, and he's also in the first Jurassic World movie, 
And now he's all grown up and he's like super into poetry and he asks Lahela out on a date even though she has a boyfriend and she says yes even though she has a boyfriend. And then it turns out, spoiler alert, that he kind of only wants her to recommend him for like this uh, college program and she realized she's being used and all that. But still, like she just goes to Walter and it's like, oh, like you, you know, I don't care that we're different. Like I like that we're different. And it's like, okay, like why are we ignoring the fact that she just went on a date with another guy? Look, I mean, that's part of dating is like you occasionally when you're especially early on in their like their dating life you know walter's not a prominent character in the show so i got the i got i wasn't too offended by that because of course like when you're a teenager once in a Walter's while my you... favorite character on the show i am offended look i am team walter ultimately i came down on, on the walter side of the debate but i think part of that was the, was uh her having to step away for a bit and like find this guy who on paper would be like oh the perfect match all of these things line up for what we should be on paper together and realizing especially when you're a teenager like you don't need that in your relationship (laughs) you know like and i think this feels like a really strong teenager kind of relationship where it's like superficial but they like each other they have fun when they're together they don't they don't this is just kind of like a fun relationship i don't necessarily see them as being like together for life type type relationship but like they said in this episode like they're teenagers they're in love they're having a good time and that's kind of what a teenager makes it about not necessarily like oh a perfect future for me but like a good time to have right now. She doesn't deserve Walter. <laughs> Look, I thought it was fun to see Walter in his, his natural environment. We got to see Walter among the, among the skater dudes that he hangs out with. And they, that were, they were really fun characters. They were kind of like, I don't know, not what I imagined Walter's friends being like, but they were very fun characters. And I thought it was fun to see Steph, who's been very sidelined in the show, come back to have a couple of cool scenes here too, where she's kind of like desperately trying to flirt with the, skater guys who are like and then she just can't get any attention at all (laughs) and i think that's fun with steph character is she's just like very much exactly but what like you think a normal girl would be you know like oh she's very much into boys and she's very much into all of this stuff but she's not like a traditional uh female supporting character i like your character a lot so i think that's a fun uh fun dynamic and i like seeing that element of walter too just him what he does when he's not on the show because he's not on the show very much yeah, he's just hanging out with his friends, definitely smoking weed. If this was like on free form, he'd be, he'd be smoking weed, and like that would have been a whole plot point. That would have been like the big problem is he offers her weed, and she's like, I don't know if I should do this, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, or she smoked it, and then he'd show up at work with some situation, and she'd be like, "Hi" or something, and that'd be like the whole conflict. Exactly. Uh, so what... I think it. Uh, you go. You go first. I, I was gonna, gonna go to a different plot line, so. Oh, no, yeah, you go with yours, because mine is more like a final conversation thing. <laughs> I wanted to talk about the mom plot line. I think that was pretty interesting this week. I think her plot is definitely the more adult-oriented of the plot lines here. And she has this this idea of, like, who she is at work is this very, like, stern, very work-oriented person. And she's trying to figure out, like, how do I put out a different type of personality to people? How do I come off as, like, a human being they're going to like? Because obviously she has, she has these, like, political reasons to do it. But I think she also has this drive of, like, I want people to see the real me and like relate to me, connect with me. And she has that arc here. So I think there is a parallel there of like what you, what people see you as versus what you are, you know? And I think that's something that was in the Walter and uh, Doogie relationship where it's like, they see them as this mismatch that could never possibly work. And they see Walter as this slacker stoner who just hangs out with his, his skater friends all day. And they see her as like this accomplished uh, doctor with this, bright future so i thought it was it was a nice parallel that this episode seems to really be on about like 
what you see is a per- what you see is necessarily who they are, and that was something that carried me through. Plus, we had you know a, a car chase with, with <laughs> nice nice chase scene. Yeah, I will say the one thing that I don't necessarily like about the mom's arc is I feel like it's very telegraphed of like where it's going. Of like she's gonna learn to c- communicate and relate to people, and she's gonna use that to uh, relate to the other guy that's going for chief of staff. And I feel like it's very much leaning to them being like co-chief of staff, where she's more of like the idea person, and he's more of like the one that's gonna send the message to everyone and kind of, you know, break the ice and kind of sugarcoat everything and make everything go smoothly. I feel like yeah, to me that's just very telegraphed of where it's going. I mean, sure, it's telegraphed, but. I don't think that's a bad thing. And I think it would be nice, like, the fact that she sees this guy as, like, this really total, complete, arrogant person. And maybe by the end of the season, she's going to have a conversation with him where she sees a bit more of, like, his side. And, like, he puts on this personality to be charismatic to the people, but he actually, in his heart, really does care about the, the hospital. And that would... We only have two episodes left, so I think we're coming to an ending of that plot line pretty soon. Yeah, that kind of leads into my question. So we're, you know, 80% of the way through the show, we've been watching the show for eight episodes now is this a show you think you're when season two comes up if we get a season two are you gonna watch it or you kind of just be like you know i watched season one and that was kind of it because i'm on the if, fence right now where where i where i lean i'm on the fence for me right now if if the season ended and we were getting season two my thought process would probably be to just wait till the end and then binge through it yeah. i think that would be a much more enjoyable experience and but if these next two episodes really do kind of like bring things together and I feel like I get to the end and I'm like, okay, there were a couple like misstep episodes here and there, but it did kind of come together. Well, I'll, I'll be in on season two for sure. All right. All right. You ready to go to our next topic? I also want to shout up really quickly before we move right. on the director of the episode, oh, Gina yeah. Rodriguez, yeah, I saw that on Instagram. unique. She hasn't directed a ton of stuff, but uh, I, towards the beginning of this, our covering of the show, I recommended, Diary of a Future President, also on Disney Plus, and she isn't a producer on that, and she has kind of a reoccurring acting role in that as the future president. Oh, okay. <laughs> she plays like the older version of the main character, and there's a couple of flash forwards and things like that that show her. So it's cool to see that cross promotion. You know, she worked on a Disney show, a Disney Plus show a couple of years ago, and now she gets to work on this one and kind of further her directing career. That's cool. All right, so uh, that brings us to our next topic. We have Marvel Studios Assembled, the making of What If. They've done a few of these now. They've done them for all of their Disney Plus shows. They did one for Black Widow. Wouldn't be surprised if we get one for Shang-Chi probably maybe a week or so after uh, that drops on Disney Plus. But, uh, oh, yeah, it's your basic standard. You know, they've done these. It's kind of the same formula they've been doing. It's just like, hey, here's how we made What If. The one big piece that I got from this is that we're definitely getting a season two and uh, I think we're getting a lot of these characters back because uh, uh, they talked about uh, Kevin Feige talked about like one of the through lines through this season was the relationship between Peggy Carter and uh, Peggy Carter and the Watcher and he said that's something that's going to go through to season two so I think that answered our question from the other week of you know are we getting sequels to episodes are we getting new things and i think it kind of told us that they're going to continue the plot line of what we already have yeah at the very least peggy carter's plot line and a handful of other people you know because there was i think what i got most from this is that they were really trying to sell what if is like the opening of this grand door that leads to so many other things you know like the beginning of something much bigger and not just on the tv side because they talk about season two and potentially beyond but they even talked about how it's going to expand into other mediums and into the films and i think it's really 
this one in particular sold me on the idea of what if is not just this thing on Disney Plus that's kind of like there to fill out the time, but it actually is something that's going to maybe we go back and watch this after Doctor Strange and we see, oh, look at all this stuff that was just kind of there, but and now in hindsight becomes a lot more important, you know. It'll be really interesting to see how the, how the multiverse kind of goes forward as it builds out and explodes from this one opening sequence here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely curious to see where it goes and what happens. And, like, because this one told, like they said, in the making of, like, this told a distinct story, like a clear story. So I'm curious to see, like, what the story is moving forward. Yeah, and I wonder how bigger, how weird are they going to get with the interdimensional stuff, you know? Because they talked a lot, especially in the beginning when they are talking about the writing process and coming up with the initial ideas for episodes about how liberating it was and how they were able to really kind of let loose and play with the characters they grew up playing with and tell these stories they grew up telling to their friends in the playground and that kind of stuff. And even back into the what-if source material that they really were focusing on prominently in this documentary, it prided itself on being weird and being dark and really trying to push to new and creative ways that you can introduce characters, introduce different dimensions. And I would love to see them get more ambitious and even more creative and more zany with their worlds in, in the future seasons. Yeah, and it'd be interesting, too, if, you know, as far as, like, the Watcher pulling people from dimensions, I'd love if they were just, like, yeah, we pulled, like, Shiri or somebody, whoever, from, like, the MCU that we know, and they pop up, and they're in animated form, and then the next time we see them, like, they make, like, an offhand comment about, you know, some, whatever happened to them. Yeah, those are the type of things I, I expect, whether it's offhand comments or, like, background shots in the multiverse episodes and things like that. I expect at least a handful of these characters and these storylines in this season and beyond to move forward in the future of the MCU, which is pretty exciting. Well, how would you feel if you go to sit down for the uh, Eternals movie and, like, you notice in a background shot somewhere there is just, a, just like, the silhouette of the Watcher? Because, like, we have Chloe Zhao directing, who's known for her big, like, landscape kind of uh, cinematography. Like, what, what, like, how would you feel if you just saw, like, That would be incredible. I would love it because that would that would imply that they've had this planned out even before. Like when I see this, I think, oh, in like two or three years, we might start to see connections to the show. And if that happens, it's like, oh, they were they had this planned out while they were making Eternals, while they were making What If. It'd be awesome. Well, okay, that had inspired me a question I have now. How would because you, you have like the special editions of like Star Wars and stuff? How would you feel if, like, especially now that pretty much all of them are on Disney+, Plus, if there were a few of those kind of silhouette watcher shots included in, like, the old, like, Marvel movies? Like, if you were watching Iron Man and, like, the scene where his the rocket hits his truck, if you now watched it and you realized there's a silhouette of the watcher in the background. And they were like, yeah, we included that in. It wasn't, like, obviously always there. It feels like cheating a little bit when you go back and you change it, you know, but I do like that in Return of the Jedi and stuff like that where it kind of expands the celebration at the end and you see it connect to all the prequels and beyond. So theoretically, it could be cool in a, in a handful of scenes seeing him in the background, but it's not nearly as impressive if I wa- if I go back and watch Guardians of the Galaxy and I look in the background and I'm like, oh my God, that's the actual washer. Like, could you imagine that there's some kind of random... And they did mention like in Guardians of the Galaxy 2... They see some watchers, is how Kevin Foggy put it. Like we kind of saw some watchers in this Stan Lee scene, so it's interesting. Are they implying that there's like a lot of there's multiple watchers in the MCU, or is that just like there was a joke James Gunn made, but we're not really counting that as like part of the story? Well, I think in the comics there is like multiple watchers, like so. 
Yeah, I thought I was curious how they were going to address that Guardians of the Galaxy thing, if that was going to be like something they just pretend never happened (laughs) or what. Yeah, it was kind of interesting too. them talking about like their art inspiration as well as like the old Norman Rockwell paintings or uh, stuff like that. Yeah, they talked about using 2D art rather than like the 2.5 or the 3D art. I think that helped a lot because the show does look great. And I think especially if they went 2.5, it would have looked really bad. Uh, Well, I'm not guaranteed, but I think a lot of the 2.5 animated doesn't look very good in my mind. And I think going for the 2D animation really helped the show look cool. And, you know, it had everything look at the watercolor kind of look to it. It all looked very practical and very physical. And I think that added a lot to the, the quality of the show. Yeah, and they, they also, because we talked about how this is going to lead into larger stuff, so they seem very impressed with the Marvel Zombies as a premise, and they said it was like their first foray into the Marvel Zombies universe, so do you think that means we're going to get another Marvel Zombies episode in the next season? Uh, probably, that makes sense. I can't see them ever including it in like the main Star Wars universe, or main uh, Marvel universe. Yeah, I wouldn't see that unless the only, I mean, like Doctor Strange is the one place where maybe it could show up if they really went crazy with the multiverse yeah. stuff, but I don't expect it to be a prominent anything. No, so, yeah, like that's what I meant. Like I could see if they were hopping universes in Multiverse of Madness, I could see being in like the Zombies universe for two minutes, but I don't think it's going to be one of those things where like the main threat of Phase 5 is like the zombies <laughs> and like the Avengers have to team up to like stop themselves and stop the other people from becoming zombies. Yeah, I think that is definitely the future they're going to go with is keeping it in the show form. But I do think they seem like they were happy with it. and yeah. They're already well into season two at this point. So yeah, season, I think the way they were talking, I would not be surprised if season two is basically like ready to go. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if by this time next year we're already in the middle of season two. Yeah. Oh, and I like that they were like, yeah, we were kind of describing um, – like they were like thinking of the voice of the watcher and like immediately they were like Jeffrey Wright, that's our guy. Mm-hmm. I also like too that they mentioned that the characters have these kind of north stars in their story. You know, like as much as Tony Stark changes and as much as as much as he moves across the world, he always has, you know, he always has the one couple things that like tie him to the Tony Stark we know. You know, whether it's Pepper Potts or whether it's like his core personality. And I thought that was a nice touch in the way they said we we wrote. For the characters, not necessarily for the actors, you know, so like they were really trying to be like, okay, even if everything changed, what are like the core, like core wounds of these characters that are going to be consistent throughout whatever universe they're in? And I think we've mentioned that a lot in our reviews of like, as much as the Peggy Carter and Steve Rogers story changes, there's still those poetic moments they still hit. And I like that that was a focus and something that wasn't just coincidence or not just lazy. It was something they actually like intentionally did for a reason. Yeah, it was, you know, I, I like kind of picked up on that, you know, but it was cool to have them like explain it out and be like, this is what we're doing. Yeah, it was good to, see, to have them actually confirm it because I feel like sometimes Marvel theories are entirely made up by the fans and <laughs> it's nice sometimes to be like, no, that's not just a fan thing. That's actually something we did. Yeah. So how are you feeling, Joe, about season two of the of What If? We're not going to talk about the show much until the next season, I would imagine. So how are you feeling hype level? Any expectations? Um, um, it's hard with, like, no trailer, no idea, like, okay, what? what's the story? What are we doing? Because I felt like I got a complete story with really nothing to set up the next part of the story outside of um, Killmonger and uh, who was the other character in, in – oh, Killmonger and Ultron. 
like fighting over the infinity stones of like i mean maybe that has nothing to do with season two when they're like yeah they're in this little pocket universe forever maybe like them breaking out is all of season two and it's about getting more heroes and those heroes together to fight him again to stop him once and for all but outside of that like i really have no idea what the story is so yeah i i feel like they're at a really interesting point in in this where they have so much potential and so much direction they could possibly be going but also there's a lot of plot in Marvel that is being built up around this multiverse stuff. So I wonder when we come back for season two, how much has the landscape shifted in terms of like public interest in the multiverse? How much is Marvel's understanding of the multiverse evolved? So if we get to season two and we have a much more complex, deeper understanding of Marvel's multiverse, is that a chance for them to get really ambitious and really kind of go larger with their stories? Cause they don't have to, spend an entire season slowly but surely telling us what the multiverse is and how it works, you know? They can just go out with it. So I would like to see that. And another hope that I have is something they mentioned in this special is that the original What If comics served really well as introductions for characters that they hadn't read before. The guy mentions reading like a, a Ghost Rider What If and being like, oh, this Ghost Rider guy is pretty cool. And then going and discovering all of the Ghost Rider run that was going on at that, at that point. So I would love it if season two of this show got beyond just using MCU characters in different ways and was able to bring in a Marvel character we have never seen before and make them the, a prominent part of this. Like the watcher was a really, you know, essentially a new character for the MCU in the show. And I think he had an impact. People talked about the watcher and Jeffrey Wright's performance and how cool it was to see him come and unleash his powers. So I'd like it if season two brought in a couple of more characters we haven't seen yet in the MCU and gave us our first, or maybe even our only chance of seeing those comic book characters come to life. What if they did, what if season two opened with like, what if the fantastic four were the fantastic five and like Victor Von Doom was like a member and like, he was a good guy. That would be awesome. Cause uh, I mean, look, they got the fantastic four coming any, any year now. It's it's in the, it's in the, it's in the works. Yeah, they've like announced it that they're going to make it. They just haven't like announced anything after that. Really? That that basically we know they're making it, but we don't know anything else. Yeah, I'm really excited just because, yeah, we're going to have a much different idea of Marvel's multiverse by the time we get to season two of this. I imagine we'll probably have Doctor Strange out. We'll certainly have Spider-Man out by then. Yeah. So it'll be a totally new world, Joe. Yep. All right, you ready to move on to our next topic? I'm ready. What do we got next, Joe? Next, we're going to have the Book of Boba Fett trailer. So I've seen it multiple times today because (laughs) as soon as it dropped... Uh, I watched it because I did not think about the fact that we were doing the Book of Boba Fett trailer review uh, or that we were doing our Disney Plus weekly review today because normally we do it on Friday. So it's like a Monday trailer drop. So I might as well watch it. Tristan has not watched it yet. So what we've decided is Tristan is going to watch it uh, live for the first time as part of our Disney uh, Plus weekly review. I'll obviously be here too. And then, so we'll watch it together. You'll be able to see it on the screen as well. Hopefully that doesn't get us taken down off of YouTube. And then afterwards, we will review it. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to pull it up here really quick. And it's only like a minute and a half or so long. So if you're an audio listener, you might have a little bit of a, uh, a silent feed for a second. But we'll be back in not, not long. Yeah, you'll, you'll be able to hear it a little bit. Nice, cool Star Wars dread. Can't complain about that. I've heard otherwise. Yeah, he does look cool in that costume. 
I know that you sit on the throne of your former employer. Jabba ruled with fear. I intend to rule with respect. I like this. We're getting Boba a different take on Boba Fett. He's not like a truly bad guy. He's trying to be like a middle ground. I'm here to make a proposal that's mutually beneficial. Mob vibes to this. Why speak of conflict when cooperation can make us all rich? Jennifer Beals is the What prevents us all from killing you? And taking what we want. I can't wait to see him in action. If you had spoken such insolence to Java, he'd have fed you to his menagerie. Please speak freely. That's some pipe right there. It's really interesting. I I like that it's sort of like a Godfather mob take on Star Wars Galaxy. You really are getting a look at the underworld and the functioning of the underworld. And that was something that I thought we'd get out of Mandalorian, but we haven't necessarily gotten out of the sh- that show. It went in a different direction from what I was expecting from that. But this looks sort of in line with what I thought that show was going to be. It's very much about the underworld and how does that work. And I'm really curious to see the dynamic between Phoenix Shan and Boba Fett as well because we just got from that trailer they both have these very different approaches to how they're going to rule the underworld you know and Boba Fett wants to be this rational we can all get along we can all make money together type of person and Phoenix Shan's coming in you know if look if he talked to Jabba that way he would have killed you and I think they're going to have a lot of butting heads yeah. over what the what the way to rule is going to be yeah and that uh, last moment there confirmed my theory for me that the uh, Rancor from Bad Batch is going to appear in the Book of Boba Fett. Like, I fully believe that's why they included that Rancor in the Book of Boba Fett, so they have, like, an explanation for why Java has another Rancor. And there is a heavy rumor that there is going to be a scene of Boba Fett riding a Rancor through a city, and I (laughs) feel like that will be an amazing moment in the show that I'm heavily rooting for. But yeah, I think, I mean, I'm like 99% sure every single moment we saw in that trailer is in the first two or three episodes. Apparently, the, the person, so last night, there was a leak that there was going to be a trailer today. I expected it not to drop until Monday Night Football, but obviously it dropped this morning. And that same person said that they, that same source that told them the trailer is coming today, uh, told them that there's going to be nine episodes total, so... Nice, a nice short run, but not like so short that you're in and out, you know. You get a full season out of it. I'm really looking forward to this. It looks that trailer was impressive. I like the action in it. I really like the mob kind of look to the underworld. I'm curious if they're gonna be on Tatooine the whole time or if he's gonna be trying to get off world and building up some kind of like larger crime syndicate, or if it's all gonna be entirely about him trying to bring the crime syndicates of Tatooine together. I think the, I think the first few episodes are him like because obviously he goes into Jabba's palace and uh, uh, kills uh, what's his face Bib Fortuna at the like in the post credit scene of season two of the Mandalorian. So I think the first episode or two is going to be him securing Tatooine, 
and then I think the future episodes are going to be him doing other things. Like, I would not be surprised if we go see him go to the Pikes and go to Black Sun and go to these other big prominent crime syndicates. But I feel like trailer-wise, they wanted to save those moments in their back pocket uh, for, like, big reveals for when you watch the episode. Like, like fans are going to lose their mind if it's, like, he, like end of episode three, he's like, oh, we have to go to our next location. You know, we have to mm-hmm. visit our next syndicate in Phoenix Chance, like who? And he's like, we have to go to Black Sun. Like something we've never seen in live action before would be. Yeah, I imagine he gets off world because it looks like the plot's going to be him trying most likely in a vain attempt to bringing all of these criminal syndicates together in some kind of shared uh, shared leadership, you know, and I think we've seen that type of story done before where it's like, oh, we can all benefit if we all just work together and naturally greed kind of takes that apart. That's kind of the, the traditional narrative arc that you would take from that story. So I'm wondering if they're going to subvert that in any way or if it's just going to be like, yep, yeah, he tries and he tries, but in the end, like the greed of, of people is going to be too much to make these criminals work together. There is. So I've seen other people uh, have speculation that basically a lot of the big theory right now involving all of the basically Disney Plus, Mando, Ahsoka, Book of Boba Fett, like post-Return of the Jedi universe, is that they're essentially redoing the Timothy Zahn trilogy, but like swapping out characters. And so like Thrawn's obviously still the big bad, and that Ezra is essentially going to replace Luke's spot in the story. And I guess there was this character in uh, that trilogy that was kind of like a Han Solo type who was a bounty hunter and all that. And uh, as Thrawn's empire rose up, he led a group of essentially like other Han Solo types, like smugglers with a heart of gold against uh, Thrawn. And that's kind of what like tipped the scales and won the day. So a lot of people think Boba Fett is taking his place in the story. And that's what it's going to be is he leads kind of the underworld against Thrawn. I think that's pretty cool. Because, yeah, this book of Boba Fett spinoff could essentially be there just to establish Boba Fett as a leader of the criminals so that when he shows up in, you know, Ahsoka or whatever else being the leader of the criminal syndicate, you're like, oh, I understand why that happened because I watched the whole show. But you don't necessarily need to watch this because if you watch Mandalorian and you got the post credit scene, you get, I think, what you're going to need to get. You know, Boba Fett took over the crime world and now he's the leader. Yeah, I feel like it's it's almost similar in a way to... uh... Falcon and Winter Soldier, where if you didn't watch the show, hey, Falcon got the shield, he's Captain America now, but if you watch the show, you understand, like, if there's a lot more backstory to it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I, I'm, I can't wait for it, Joe. It's a, I liked that this trailer didn't give a lot away. I expected one, at least one kind of, like, oh, Cad Bane's the final shot, something like that, but yeah, that there was, was no big reveal, so I'm, I'm excited that we're going to get to the series and not have anything... Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact of, like, because of how little Boba Fett is in. Like, they're not going to have Han or Luke or anything. Any big reveals that, like, are going to blow casual fans' minds, it's going to be more of, like, Black Sun or Hondo or uh, Cad Bane. And I feel like Lucasfilm's opinion is, and, like, I don't disagree with them, is if you know who Cad Bane are, if you know who Hondo are, if you know what Black Sun is, like, you're watching this show. And so, if you don't know who those characters are, like, having that reveal at the end will just confuse you. Of, like, you'd just be like, I feel like I'm supposed to know who that is, but I don't know who that is. Like, that was treated like it's a big reveal, but well, I don't I'm confused. And I'm so, really curious to see how 
people react to the show. Like you said, super fans, we're going to be watching this anyway, you know, but I don't, I know that Boba Fett as a character, as an image is really iconic among like general Star Wars fans, but I'm really curious what the interest level is going to be on like a show about Boba Fett. when they already have a Mandalorian show. It's, are people going to be like, oh, I, I thought I just watched that. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm really curious how people are going to react to this. Yeah, I feel like if it has a different storyline, like Mandalorian is very was very much lone wolf and cub, and I feel like this is very much, especially everything I've heard rumor-wise and leak-wise, this is very much going to be like the Godfather Part 2 of him, where Jabba is essentially like his father, not like in emotion, but like storyline-wise, where, okay, Jabba, who was the top dog, is now gone, just like Vito was gone in Godfather Part 2, and Boba Fett's essentially Michael trying to control everything and take over, and apparently there are going to be uh, three storylines. I guess there's going to be like right post Clone War storyline, basically him surviving the Sarlacc pit, and then our main present day storyline. And I and uh, there's a shot too of the Tuscan Raiders like walking like in the whose like image was obscured by like the heat coming off the sand. And a lot of people are speculating that that's like the Tuscan like him. Has, he's just crawled out of the Sarlacc pit and, like, the Tusken Raiders have just come and saved him. Or, like, coming to save him. I I can't wait to see how this all, like, formats out. Like you mentioned, is it going to be these the couple of different storylines that kind of jump around? Because it is called the Book of Boba Fett, so I think that implies, like, these chapters. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just really curious to see how it's all going to break down mm-hmm. and how different it's going to feel from the other shows. And, yeah, I'm really excited for this one. I... Before I watched that trailer, I was like, okay, is this going to be a, another Boba Fett? It's like, it's whatever. But I don't know, that trailer, it feels nice to see Star Wars again, you know? And sure, it's similar to Mandalorian, but the trailer still will be on it being a much different show with a much different focus and different tone. So if they can keep that up and it doesn't just feel like we're spinning our wheels till we can get Mandalorian out, and I'll be excited for it. Yeah. And one rumor, too, that people are 50-50 on is there, because you had, like, Mandalorian Episode 1 was Chapter 2 and chap- Episode 2 was Chapter 2 and all that, all the way up to Chapter 16, there's some rumors that, like, all of these Mandover shows are going to be in sequence. So, like, Episode 1 of Book of Boba Fett will be Chapter 17. Interesting. And then, what are your thoughts on that? I think that works theoretically because it sets up this idea that like you're reading it all continuously, but I also think that defeats the purpose of like having all the individual shows crossing together. Cause if the, someone goes and clicks on Mandalorian season three and they're like, Oh, a chapter, you know, 21, I missed, I missed 10 chapters. What happened? And I think that causes more confusion than it does anything else. Yeah. I think the most potential, the best potential here is to have all of these still feel like separate shows that do cross over, but, I don't like the idea of all, them all running into each other and feeling like one long thing that never ends. You know, I like yeah. that they feel like different things. Yeah, I'm okay with that. All right, you ready for our second to last topic? I'm ready, Joe. What do we got here? Okay, keeping in the Star Wars family, uh, we got some big Darth Maul. I mean, it wasn't. it's not confirmed, but uh, Jordan Mason, M-A-I-S-O-N, not, never sure how to pronounce that, who, who at this point... Uh, doesn't really miss if you uh, go on the Star Wars leak subreddit. Pretty much 90% of everything he says is true, and he is reporting that a new Star Wars animated series to focus on Darth Maul's shenanigans is uh, currently in development or in production. 
And I'll just read uh, what he wrote. You can find this on uh, Cinelinks.com, uh, C-I-N-E-L-I-N-X.com. And he says, according to multiple sources, it looks like a new Star Wars animated series is already in the works that could fill in some Crimson Dawn slash Darth Maul gaps. I know we're all still recovering from the Book of Boba Fett trailer, but had some information come in I thought would be worth discussing. About a month ago, I heard from a source that voice recording was underway for a new, as yet, unannounced Star Wars animated series was going down. This, along a second source, informed me familiar Star Wars voice actors D. Bradley Baker, Matt Lanter, and Sam Witt were recording something. I couldn't pin down what they were recording for, whether for another Bad Bad season or something else, so I just kind of let it sit and was hoping to get more information later. Thankfully, that's come in from a pair of independent sources who tell me that Darth Maul will be the focus of the new animated series. While they both mentioned Maul, one source specifically mentioned it was a show about his time running Crimson Dawn before Solo, A Star Wars Story. Uh, I have even heard Paul Bettany is expected to come back to voice Dryden Voss. Uh, off and on for a few years now, I've heard Lucasfilm has been keen to get some sort of Darth Maul series up and running in live action. For various reasons, cough, cough, Ray Park, cough, cough. However, they haven't been able to get it going. As such, this new animated series seems to be what they've decided to go with instead. It also lines up uh, with having heard about Crimson Dawn-related plans for a while now, an, organi an organization I'm sure will continue to pop up in various projects. Considering Maul is a major focus of my personal collection, I'm all about blah, blah, blah. Basically, that's it. So the show I've been pitching on here since Solo came out is the show we are getting, and I have... I'm hyped. They could be like, never mind, we lost all our data files on Book of Boba Fett, but we're keeping Darth Maul. I'm happy in life. Look, John, as soon as I saw this headline, I was like, oh, that's a Joe victory lap right there. He's going to come on. He's going to be a, a pool of joy. And yeah, I thought of you when I read that because I know you're a big Maul fan. You're a big Crimson Dawn fan. You're a big solo defender. You know, so I think this is all going to tie into a lot of the stuff that, that you're extremely into within Star Wars. And I really... I. I am excited, even if it's just going to be to watch you watch it, you know. <laughs> it's not like I'm not excited for it, but I'm, I'm more excited for you than I am for myself for this news. But I do think it'll be exciting. I think the Crimson Dawn has a lot of potential to be interesting, a lot of potential for storytelling that they haven't really done a lot with. A lot of Darth Maul appearances in Joe's cam right now. But, yeah, I think Crimson Dawn, untapped potential, and Darth Maul... Of all of the things that happened in Clone Wars, all the things that happened in all of Star Wars animation and spinoffs, I think the fact that Darth Maul came back to life and was kind of turned into a, a full-fledged character is the one thing that is kind of going beyond just... I don't know how to say this, but I do think like casual Star Wars fans, if they, if they know anything about Clone Wars, they know about Darth Maul. So I think bringing him back into the, into the, into the mainstream again is going to be good for the, for the fan, fan community. And I'm excited to see it. I, I, I hope we get some uh, Kiera appearances. I think we could see here in in Book of Boba Fett as well. I wonder if we'll see some crossover between Book of Boba Fett and Crimson Dawn. I think it's it's written to be there. Like if he's trying to unite all of the crime syndicates, yeah. <laughs> Crimson think, Dawn is like right in of, there. I think basically by Clone Wars season seven, like we have that moment where like Dryden Voss appears. So I think. So, like, they're saying Matt Lanter uh, will be a voice who, obviously, if you don't know, played uh, or voiced Anakin in the, like, Star Wars animated stuff. So, maybe we'll get some stuff that's, like, 
during the end of the Clone Wars and maybe um, see him set up Crimson Dawn uh, a little bit more and then uh, run it and kind of see the full course of Crimson Dawn all the way through. Cause, because it's animated, you can do time jumps and age characters easier than like in live action and have like the full run of Crimson Dawn and see what exactly led to Maul being on Malachor in Rebels. Yeah, there's a lot to fill in there. Whether it's Maul's story or Crimson Dawn's story, like you said, how he gets between all these points. Like in Rebels and Solo, there's so much to fill in there. Yeah. So I, I'm, love, I'm loving it. I'm, I think it's a great potential story here. And it's that not, along I'm with hyped. Bad Bad, it's like, we're, we're, I'm glad we're still getting animated shows out of Star Wars too. I was scared that we'd be leaving animation behind and moving on to live action because it's been so much more successful than their animation has been. I feel but like, I'm excited that we're still getting some stuff. Like, I feel like especially if, like, I assume they've thought of different avenues to do the show in live action, but I feel like to use, like, Ray Park's body and then Sam Witwer's voice is probably, like, a pain to do an entire show that way. Like, when you figured out how they do it in Solo, where they had Sam Witwer record the dialogue and then they had Ray Park like try to voice match, like move his mouth to match it as much as close as possible. And then they had Sam Witwer go and try to match to uh, Ray Park's mouth. And I feel like if you were to do an entire show that way, it would just be too expensive and too costly. And I feel like they would just. And then they probably thought, well, maybe we'll just use like Sam's body and head for the talking scenes. And then anytime he has to fight. You know, we'll use Ray Park as a stunt double, but I, I just think animation is the best way to go. That's how we've mostly seen Maul outside of Episode 1 and that quick shot in Solo. So every, everything else with Maul and all of Maul's best moments really are in animation. So I'm perfectly content and happy with it being an animation. I'm super hyped, but because it's not an officially announced thing. Now next week we have no- November 12th, we have Disney Plus Day, and I think the week after that we have Star Wars, or not Star Wars Celebration, we have uh, D23, I believe. I could be wrong. I've been saying that for a while, and I've never looked it up to confirm when D23 is. Maybe it got moved and I haven't noticed. Because I feel like no one's really talking about it, but uh, if they announce, because now it's heavily rumored, if they announce it there, uh, then uh, I'll allow myself to get more excited. Yeah, I... Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I don't want to let my imagination run wild so that I'm disappointed when this is just a rumor. Because we do get rumors all the time in Star Wars of stuff that ends up not panning out. Yeah, like but even a show we, they've announced is now on the back burner of Rangers of the New Republic. So Yeah, they could announce something. They could start filming it. And it still could not come out. So I, I take this with a grain of salt in the, in the, in the modern world. You know, I mean, we've, we've seen in the last couple of years how unpredictable the world can be and how stuff can shift it in a moment's notice. And and when it's only a rumor, I do try to go in slightly uh, with some salt, you know, but I think that it's coming from a credible source and it feels very much, it's not like something unexpected. You know, when I hear, oh, they're making a Crimson Dawn, uh, Darth Maul animated show, I think, oh, of course they are. Like that that makes sense. You know, it wasn't like a totally bizarre asshole type of thing. It was a, uh, a choice that I think made sense. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that and D23 is this year. It starts November 19th. So, uh, I'm looking it up. Um, I'm on D23.com, and I've got November 19th to 21st as our D23 week this year. Okay. So that gives us two weeks from this Friday. So essentially, 
Three weeks. Yeah. It's going to be a packed couple weeks, so we got the Disney Plus Day. That's sure to have at least a couple reveals. And then we've got D23, which is guaranteed to have reveals beyond just, like, Marvel. You know, because I do think we'll get a couple so of Marvel reveals, but I think D23 is going to be a much larger scale thing. So I was looking it up. The, there's, like, a thing about, like, the parks in the... Uh... And the like cruises and stuff is gonna be that day, but they've moved official D twenty three Expo to September 9th, tenth, and eleventh, twenty twenty two. Uh okay, never mind then. Not so, not a packed month. So it was originally slated to be next to so I was wrong. So we just have uh Disney Plus Day and maybe they'll announce something on Disney Plus Day, but uh the more uh and we'll talk about it in our November preview, but I think we're maybe like misunderstanding what Disney Plus Day is. I could be wrong, but I think we will get uh, one or two reveals that are out of the Marvel thing, but like I said, we'll get into the Disney Plus day in a second. But yeah, I think it's more so just hey, we have a lot to drop, so we all we're just gonna kind of drop it on one day and make it make it like feel like an event, you know. But I do think that Marvel presentation will at least give us release dates for stuff, if if nothing else. Yeah. All right, you ready to talk for our November preview? Yep. Speaking of Joe, what do we got coming up for this month? All right, so we're already at the start of the month. So November 3rd, obviously got the penultimate episode of Doogie Hauser MD. Or Doogie Kame Aloha MD, sorry. Uh, November 5th, uh, nothing new. But on that Friday, there are some things dropping, including Jingle All the Way 1 and 2, as well as X-Men First Class are coming to Disney+. Plus. I don't think I've seen Jingle All the Way. I certainly haven't seen Jingle All the Way 2. So okay, I'm probably going to watch Jingle both of those. Jingle All the Way stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, obviously, and everyone's favorite Anakin Skywalker, Jake Lloyd, as his son. Oh, wow. I gotta watch it. I, it's one of those ones that I'm sure I rented the DVD from Blockbuster at some point in my childhood, but at this point, I couldn't tell you much other than Arnold Schwarzenegger Christmas movie. And uh, Sinbad is in it. He's the villain. And, you're, you're making uh, sell me on this more and more, Joe. And uh, Jingle All the Way 2 does not star Arnold Schwarzenegger, unfortunately. It does, however, start everyone's favorite comedian, Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> Big change there. All right. And uh, so November 10th, uh, we have the Doogie Kame Aloha season finale, which is going to be a big celebration around here on our Disney Plus Weekly Review. It's going to be a big day. Yep. And then November 12th, obviously Disney Plus Day, a lot of big drops. We have Jungle Cruise coming to Disney Plus, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. We have Home Sweet Home Alone making its premiere. Uh, we have Olaf Presents Disney Plus Day, uh, which I believe is just like some Olaf shorts explaining the plot of various like dis- recent Disney movies. Uh, World According to Jeff Goldblum Season 2 drops. I believe Season 1 dropped two years ago uh, when Disney Plus premiered, so I think COVID probably pushed that back a bit. Oh, I'm sure, because that's very much like an outgoing, meeting people going places kind of show. Yeah. Under the Helmet, uh, the Legacy of Boba Fett documentary drops, which I'm surprised. I thought I honestly thought that would drop, and then like the Book of Boba, F- it would be like watch this, and then it unlocks like the Book of Boba Fett trailer or something cool like that. But apparently not. And then we'll also have nine various short films. Some of them new, some of them are older short films. Yeah, I know one of them is going to be Paper Boy. I think it's called uh, one of their most acclaimed shorts. Yeah, a bunch of awards and stuff like that. So if you haven't seen that, I'd recommend watching it. All right, and then uh, no- what are you looking forward to on Disney Plus Day, Joe? We got a bunch of drops here, though. Uh, 
Honestly, I'm not going to lie. Under the Helmet, The Legacy of Boba Fett's probably my number one. Nothing else really interests me. Like, I've seen Shang-Chi. I liked it. I enjoyed it. But it's not like I'm like, oh, dying to see that again. That's a big thing circling my calendar. Jungle Cruise didn't interest me when it originally came out a few months ago. Still doesn't. After their views, still doesn't interest me. Home Sweet Home Alone looks bad. Don't really care about any of the animated shorts. So... Honestly, yeah, I will say. Th- yeah, nothing really. Nothing really outside of the docu- uh, Boba Fett documentary is really. Yeah, for 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 a Disney Plus day, I feel like they could have had a couple of bigger things in there than I movies that we already watched, and then a movie that is like guaranteed bad. They should have moved. They literally should have moved Hawkeye up two weeks, and had just not had the two day premiere. So Hawkeye should have premiered on Disney Plus day. Yeah, I think it's a weird choice not to have that happen when they're so close to each other. You know. But I am looking forward to watching Shang-Chi again. That'll be a, a worthwhile watch. And if you haven't seen Jungle Cruise, I think it's built for like a Saturday afternoon stream on Disney+. Plus. You know, yeah. it's not going to be your top movie of the year or anything like that. But if you want to sit around and like background watch a movie while you are having other stuff to do, <laughs> it's a perfect movie for that. And there's some great like spectacle and fun performances. So if you just want a, a passable good time, it's there for you. But yeah, I'm looking forward to rewatching Shang-Chi. The World According to Jeff Goldblum season one was okay, so season two, uh, I'll probably watch a couple episodes of it, but I'll, unless it blows me away. Yeah. Overall, an okay Disney Plus day, but for something that was built up so much, I was hoping for a little bit more in terms of drops. Yeah, and there was, uh, I mean, there were other stuff, but a lot of it was like kitty stuff, so I just didn't include it because I didn't even know really what it is. I did just skim an article about Disney Plus day, and there is going to be a presentation uh, about stuff that's to come on Disney Plus. So hopefully I imagine like a lot of it's gonna be like oh Paw Patrol season thirty five, you know, is coming and, you know, other things I don't care about, but I would not be surprised if they don't sneak in like some hey, like uh you know, Andor I, 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 at this point I think they should tell us at least month release dates for the Star Wars shows coming out in twenty twenty two. Now that I think we've kind of moved past that uh that uh um uh, what the 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 strike? Mm-hmm. Like we're kind of past that, so I feel like they can lock down some of these days more. And I, they don't have to be like, "Oh, this is coming out August twenty fourth," but at least they're like, "Hey, this is coming out in August. This is coming out in June. This is coming out, you know, February." Yeah, I think that presentation is going to be the highlight of the Disney Plus day. Essentially, like, even if it's only date reveals, that's going to be fun information. And I would imagine. At least one or two new reveals. You know, Marvel and Star Wars always got stuff cooking up yeah. in their back burner to pull out when they need to. And yeah. we haven't gotten any, like, huge movie reveals outside of... Or any kind of, like, reveals for those two franchises that are... At least in the last, like, few months or, or, or so. Yeah. So I think they have a lot to, to talk about. Crimson Dawn coming October 2023. Boom. Look, maybe that, that rumor's out there because they're about to announce it. You know, who knows? Yeah. All right, so uh, November 19th, we have Muppets Christmas Letters to Santa, which is uh, an older thing, I guess, because it was in their like library catalog section, not in their new release section. So I don't really even know what that is, but I don't really care about the Muppets. So if you're a Muppets fan and you've never seen this, or maybe you have seen it and you enjoy it, November 19th, you're going to get to watch it for free on Disney+. Plus. Uh, November 24th, we have two the first two episodes of Hawkeye are dropping. Excited for that one. November 25th, uh, we have Beatles Get Back Part 1, 
which is the Peter Jackson documentary about the uh, making of the album Let It Be, which was originally titled Get Back. So uh, if you're a Beatles fan or if you're maybe a documentary fan, uh, you get to watch part one on November 25th. I can't wait for that. That's my most anticipated release of the month from Disney+. Plus. Uh, well, I got, some, I, I got some good news for you. You're going to like what drops on November 26th and yeah, November 27th. I've got even more of it, but his last his last documentary was really good, so I imagine this is going to be still pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so November 26th, uh, the thing I'm sure you're most uh, anticipated watching, and that's Ernest Saves Christmas is coming to Disney+. Plus. So. And then uh, also on November 26th, they're doing the. I don't understand why they didn't just release it all at the same time because it's just it's back to back days. So part two of Beatles Get Back comes out November 26th, and then on November 27th we're getting part three of Beatles Get Back. It's interesting because it was originally a movie, so I'm wondering, like now it's a three hour multi part thing, so yeah. it must have split it up for a reason. Yeah, I wonder if like on the festival circuit, it will be premiered kind of all as one thing. It's like, hey, this is a movie we're trying to win an Oscar for for like best documentary, but like just as far as Disney Plus goes, so like oh, we broke it up into three parts. Yeah, and I, I think making it off over three days is interesting because it gives you like a lot of mind share, I guess, or a lot of like user share because someone does watch all that. That's that's like three things that they watch three... instead of one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And on three different days too, so that really will help at uh, Disney's numbers. But yeah, I'm interested on watching this one because H. Knock are old with his documentary on World War One soldiers, and he had like an incredible use of archive footage that was really, really kind of moving to watch. And I'm thinking the Beatles, of course, the Beatles are not going to be as emotionally moving as a war where thousands of people were killed. But it's going to be cool. To, I it's going to be cool to see all that archive footage put together, and especially when they're creating such an iconic album. All right. Uh, anything else you want to say about uh, Disney Plus this week? No, it was, a, it was a fun run, Joe. We had a lot to talk about, and it seems like according to this list, we got a lot coming up still. So we don't, we're not selling out anytime soon. Yeah, we thought for sure, oh, like November is going to be hard to get through. October is going to be hard to get through. But every time we think that, they're like, oh, here's this that's dropping. Here's this that's dropping. I feel like, especially with Star Wars and Marvel, like we're going to have a lot of content to talk about next year. So I think switching from doing individual show reviews to just doing one Disney Plus weekly review is the way to go. Yeah, I think definitely we're getting more and more content. And stuff like Dookie, uh, Kami Aloha, we never would have watched if we weren't doing this show. So a lot of nice opportunities to watch stuff I never would have. All right, uh, I think that wraps up our show for today. Uh, you know, I don't have anything else I got to say, so uh, without further ado. Hey, thank you for watching the Movie Change Up podcast. We'd really appreciate if you liked, commented, subscribed, and shared us with anyone you think might be into what we're doing over here. Thank you. Have a nice day.